glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stand with me if you would as we honor the reading of God's Word. Genesis chapter 11 beginning verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had, and they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, God uses their same language, let us go down. And there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. Thank you. You may be seated. There's so much, I believe, that could be gotten into, and I will try to steer clear of that. There's a level of prophetic teaching that one could get into as you study Babel and Babylon and the system of religion and that has been birthed out of a Babylonian system, if you would. I do believe that what we see in our current time that many refer to as a one-world order, uh, a one-world system is nothing but Babel all over again. Uh, if you listen, put your ear to the spiritual wind, you'll hear from every corner, from the corners, from the political corner, from the sociological corner, from the religious corner, you'll hear there is a need for man to unify for the common good, a need for unification for the common good. One of the things that I try to caution on on a regular basis, we are for biblical unity. In fact, inside a local church, we are commanded to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. But may I say this, local church unity inside a church family and unity in the world are not the same thing. Many have the concept today that Jesus came to unify the world. He did not. He said, think not that I came to bring peace but a sword, Matthew chapter 10. So the idea is Jesus, because he is a... He is a polarizing force because he is the full representation of God. Those who love God must love by default Jesus. Those who love Jesus love God for he is God in the flesh. Those who hate God and are uh, under the deception of Satan cannot truly be for Jesus of the Bible. And so I say all that to say there's a great unification here taking place around Babel whereas if you look at what the building program of the ark there was not a great unification. There was a great divide. You find during the Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel, all mankind was on board with this building project. When Noah built his ark, it was, he was in quite a narrow path, wasn't he, by himself. And so, again, as we compare and contrast, and then you roll that forward and look at the day we're in today, there's so many things we can take away from it. If you're going to love and be loyal to the truth, which is the Word of God, you have to understand we're going to have to reject the system that's exposed 
in Genesis 11 here. And so let me just give you a few things, and I think the message will come out of, of course, what we see here in the text. So uh, uh, first of all, I want you to see in the conception of this tower, uh, as we contrast it to the conception of the ark, and some of this already said in the introduction, but as we look at the conception of this tower, what I mean is, what brought about the building of the Tower of Babel? I think if you had gone through the plains of Shinar, you would have seen this huge city that they're building. And then a structure rising upward as a monument to the greatness of those who were building it. Uh, what brought this about? Was there a point where God says, Hey, I want all of you people to go down to the plain of Shinar. It's the most lovely place on planet Earth. Let me back up. God had already done that when He created man, hadn't He? He put him in the Garden of Eden, which is where he was supposed to stay. But when man sinned, he had to be expelled from the garden. And if you were to go back and read Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and verse 7, I'm going to read this commandment to understand the spirit that was behind the Tower of Babel. So I'm talking about the conception of it. I want to deal with the spirit and what was the founding, what was this built upon, founded upon, based upon, and then with the Lord's help, I hope to make some application this morning. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. What's the next word? replenish the earth. Replenish means to fill it up. Fill it up meaning scatter. Go fill the earth. He repeats the commandment in Genesis chapter 9, verse 7. And you be ye fruitful and multiply and uh, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. By the time you come to Genesis 11, it's very clear what the Creator God wanted the people He had created to do. He wanted them to inhabit the whole earth. When they come to the plain of Shinar and they saw that it was a good place to dwell, they decided we don't want to go any further. We like it right here. We're going to set up a city right here and a tower right here and we're going to build a tower that reaches all the way to heaven, meaning we are going to build a society and a culture that does not recognize God but exalts us to His position. If you have a tower that reaches to heaven. How many of us think they really thought they could build a tower beyond the highest firmament all the way to the throne of God? Is that even what's insinuated? They were building something whereby they could exalt themselves to his position. May I say this? If you want to know where the theory of evolution is birthed out of, the kind of heart that birthed the theory of evolution, it's found right here. We will say God didn't make us. We made ourselves. We have a society that can function without God. We can thrive without God. We can succeed without God. This is called secular humanism. Secular means anti-religious, no recognition of God, either atheism or agnosticism. And while many today probably don't have the courage to say, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic, there are more in our culture that in their hearts are than want to admit You cannot hold to really any form of evolution without being some kind of atheist. You say, no, I I can believe in God and evolution at the same time. Not the God of the Bible, you can't. You cannot. And so my point is this this morning. We see all the way back here in Genesis 11, in contrast to Noah's day when the earth was filled with violence, and here's one man who trusted God and built at God's command, the conception of the ark came from the Word of God. The conception of the Tower of Babel came from man himself, 
in an act of rebellion, which we'll say more about in the next statement, in the next point. But the conception of the tower, there was a plan. It, just like there was a plan to build the ark, there was a plan to build this, 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 uh, this city and this tower. The, the plan for building the ark was heaven's plan. The plan for building the city and the tower was man's plan. And so then we see the plan in this conception. We see the people, and I want to make much of this if I may. When it came to the Tower of Babel, how many people, as we've already referenced in the introduction this morning and a couple of times since, how many people do we find involved? Now, whether it involved every human on the face of the planet, I'm not entirely sure. I do know that as the civilization journeyed east and started filling up, they found this plain, and I find no one was excluded. No one was excluded. Everyone had the same language. Everyone had the same cultural background. There was no one that was told, you're not welcome here. It was truly a city without walls. I'm not here preaching politics to you this morning. That's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you this, though. I find that the New Jerusalem is surrounded by walls, and I find that it has a gate. Not everybody's welcome in. You find people today say, we believe in inclusivism. You're hearing Babel is what you're hearing. Uh, we believe in inclusivism. We will not exclude anyone. I'm going to tell you something. Who was welcome inside the ark? Anyone who would come at God's command. You with me? How many doors were on the ark? One. How many doors were on Babel? None. Come as you are, stay as you are, everyone's welcome, everything is welcome. We have a common goal here, and that is building a society. We want to build something great for God? No, we want to build something great, and we'll get to the purpose in just a moment. But the people that are involved, they're all of one language. May I say this, while physically in the world today we don't have everybody of one language, so many in the world are speaking the same language today. Anything that excludes another person is unwelcome. We don't believe in a God that wouldn't let anybody into heaven because true love never excludes. That's not truth. How many understand that truth and love are inseparable concepts? You cannot have genuine love without truth. And here's a people at Babel, the program they had going on wasn't like Noah's program. I can only hear some of these are his offspring a couple of generations removed. Well, we don't want to be like great-grandpa Noah. Only people could go in there were people that believed in God. The only people welcome on the ark were people that believed that horrible story about a flood. We're not even sure now if a flood actually happened. Can't you hear it? Well, what about great-grandpa Noah? Wasn't he on that ark? So he says, but you know what kind of a narrow-minded man he was. If he did build an ark, it only had one door, and you had to come his way or no way. What a judgmental old geezer that guy was. Only eight of them were allowed on that boat. Was that true? Wasn't true. Only eight got on. Whosoever will, let him take, the Bible says. But if you won't believe God, you can't come into his ark. <laughs> Meaning, God determined who came inside that ark. It was based on his rules, not man's. But at Babel, hey, everybody's welcome. And we all work together. For the common good. Say, Pastor, you are not for helping people in the culture and in the society. There's only one way to help folks, and that's see them reconciled to God. And if you have some way of helping people that doesn't reconcile them to God, you didn't help them except on their way to a devil's hell. That's the truth of it. 
Our former pastor used to say all the time, our job is not to make the world a better place to die and go to hell from. But so many have adhered to that. Please hear me this morning. One of the reasons this message is necessary is the pressure is being put on you as God's people and you, you'll be called names, you're going to be mocked, you're going to be ridiculed for being unloving because you have a narrow view. You refuse to believe things outside of that Bible. That's an unloving thing. You look at people that don't, um, maybe uh, they don't uh, believe in marriage like you do and they don't believe about the Bible like you do and you're a hater because you're not inclusive. May I ask something? Is everybody welcome to become a member of Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church? No, not. I mean, if you want to come the right way, you can. Jesus said, you're welcome into the fold, but there's only one door. And he that climbeth up some other way is a thief and a robber. You're going to come into Jesus' fold. You're going to come through him only. My point is this this morning. The Tower of Babel wasn't like the Noah's project. Noah's project was exclusive. If you didn't believe the message of warning, if you didn't believe the message of deliverance, and if you didn't get on that boat, you can't be saved. But at Babel, you come as you are. No one's excluded. It involved everybody, and they all spoke the same language. There was peace and harmony in their project. So the conception of the tower, the plan created by man, the people, anyone and everyone, the presumption. You notice what they say? And they said one to another, verse 3, go to let us make brick. There's nothing wrong with making brick and burning it and, and uh, making them uh, into bricks. Uh, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name. Lest, what's their purpose? Lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Let's establish right here so that we don't end up doing what God wants. God wants us to replenish the earth. We don't want to. We like it right here. We like it right where we are. Their purpose was this. Let's do the opposite. Their purpose was opposite of God's purpose. Their plan was to undo the plan and purpose of God. God wants us scattered. We don't want to scatter. So what we'll do, instead of recognizing His authority, we'll build a tower proclaiming that we are the authority. And whose name were they trying to build? Let us make us a name. Let's be somebody. Now, don't lose me this morning. For so many of you here that know you're saved, you know you're children of God... I heard a great message Brother Tyler preached years ago out of this text in relating it to missions. What has our Lord Jesus told us to do as His disciples? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if we're not careful, as churches, we get humanism creeping in among us and we say, you know what, we like it right here. Let's build a big name for Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church so we don't have to go into all the world. Let us build a big name right here. We don't want to ship our children off to some foreign field. We don't want to see our, our prime people sent out. So let's build a big ministry here so that the world can't live without us. And this mentality can even creep into one of God's churches to where we say, you know what, we don't want to scatter, we want to stay. I find the early church did that. They didn't scatter. They stayed right in Jerusalem. The church was growing and growing and growing. And the Lord allowed a man named Saul to come along and persecute the church. And what happened? They got scattered. May I say this this morning? It is not the prerogative of Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church to try to hang on to every good servant of God that comes through here. It's to have them and send them. <laughs> Are we a sending unit or a keeping unit? We're supposed to be a sending unit. It's supposed to, the Bible says, how should they preach except they be 
sent. If we're not careful, we think the church is a place to come and welcome everybody and build a big institution that is a magnet to people. We want people. We want to see people saved. So you're against growth? No, 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 no. But you understand two different concepts? The ark was... You come to the Lord that He might save you from the pending judgment, but if you don't believe God and you don't believe His Word, then you're going to miss His salvation. There's only one way. You've got to come to the one door of that ark. Babel says, no, this is open to everybody. Everybody can stay right here. May I say this? The role of a New Testament church is not to unify a community outside of Christ. It's to bring people to the one door, Jesus Christ. And this is applicable to us today. We need to make sure that humanism is not affecting our thinking about what we exist for even as a church. And so the plan was birthed out of our own minds, the people, anyone, everyone. It was inclusive to to the fullest extent. The presumption was we're going to do this, and they had no idea that anybody would ever stop them. Did it ever cross their minds, God may not let us do this? No, because they're going to exalt themselves. By the way, what does it look like today? Do you have to build a tower in the middle of your city to exalt yourself to being deity? How do we know they had made themselves God? When was he consulted? And were they trying to do what he wanted or trying to get out of doing what he wanted? He said, scatter. They said, we'll stay. And so we find that they replaced him as an authority and their purpose was Let us make a name for ourselves. We want people to know who we are. So we're going to exalt ourselves up to the heavens. So if you're anywhere around, by the way, in a plane, when you build a tower from any distance, you can look and say, wow, look at that. Drive through the plains of our country. You can see a large city from a great distance because of the towers that are there. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be admired. That brings us to our next point, the construction of this tower. And this all goes together with our first point. The conception of it was planned in the hearts and minds of men in opposition to God's plan. The people, anyone, everyone, all inclusive. The presumption, they said, let us, let us, meaning we give ourselves permission. Let us. We are self-governing. We don't need permission from anybody else. We'll just do this. And the purpose was a name for themselves in defiance of God's Clear, revealed will. Number two, the construction of the tower. number of things brought about the construction of this city and this tower. Number one, as we've alluded to, human reasoning. This tower was built upon human reasoning. God said scatter. They felt it better to stay. If we scatter, I could hear, if we scatter, we'll be lonely. If we scatter, our kids will have no friends. If we scatter, who knows what will happen. If we scatter, you can always find reasons not to obey God. There's always reasons not to obey God. But may I say this, Babel thinking is not built on the word of God, it's built on human reasoning. You you could come to some citizen of Babel and say, boy, what about this great city? What brought you here? Well, it's a beautiful place, can't you see? This is where we wanted to settle. This is where we feel at home. This is what we like. Our friends are here. Our family is here. People that we get along with is here. We're all doing the same thing. We have great unity in this community and we want to stay right here. Somebody says, Do I not remember somebody saying that when Noah got off the ark, God said, replenish the earth? Don't come and spoil our good community. Don't bring up God. Don't you understand here? Look what we've done. 
Do we need anybody telling us what to do? Look how smart we are. We know how to make brick. We know how to, 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 to heat it to a point where it's not going to decay. We know how to use mortar. Who taught us this? We learned this on our own, thank you. Look what we've built. Who are you to tell us? I'm not, I'm not. God. I thought God said scatter. I thought he said replenish the earth. And if we all stay right here, how are we going to replenish? And they said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is the best decision. Well, wouldn't God know best if he said to, to scatter? Yeah, but you don't understand. Now, Christian, don't lose me this morning, please. If you're here this morning, we might be saved and say, well, this message doesn't apply to me because this is a contrast of worldviews. This is a contrast of salvation. I have accepted God's way of salvation. The, the mentality and the spirit behind this can still affect us today so that we are conformed to the world in our thinking. We can build our lives on human reasoning rather than the Word of God. And when so, we are building Babylonian towers, if you would. And I say my personal life and my home and your personal life and your home is not to be built on what we think is reasonable. We are walking by faith, not by sight. How many of you think that you could have built an ark based on human reasoning? Noah, why are you building this structure? Well, it seems to me that one day we might have something I'm going to call rain. Never seen it, but I'm thinking we might. And I'm thinking I'll build this ark. What's an ark? Well, it's kind of like a boat. What's a boat? It's what you would have in a, like a great flood of waters. What's a flood? There's no way what Noah built could be built on human reasoning, only on the Word of God, only on revelation. You hear me this morning? Too many times we shift in a generation or two from a generation perhaps that lived by faith to two or three generations down the line saying, you know what, that was fine for Grandpa Noah, but we figured things out here. I, 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 I get frustrated at this statement. Well, God did give people common sense. We must not give them too much because common sense isn't that common. But what that is code for many times, many, and I understand God gave common sense, and I understand what that can mean. What that's code for many times, though, is I know the Bible says this, but I'm going to do this because it makes more sense. Human reasoning. Do you know what is the substructure of 99% of the religion in our world today? What we think. Human reasoning. So, the construction of the tower was built by human reasoning with human resources. Yeah, nothing wrong. You say, well, wait, Noah and his sons built the ark. They did, but with what God said to build it with. God said, you build your ark of gopher wood, pitch it within and without These people said, we want something that's going to last and leave us a legacy. We want something that people remember us by when we're gone. We're going to build this thing of stone that's going to last. How many of you know that gopher wood, a lot of the ark was probably already gone by the time the Tower of Babel was built. People claim today they found the ark here and found the ark there. God built the ark in such a way the ark is not supposed to be something we later worship or remember Noah by, but we remember God by and his faithfulness to a man who trusted him. The Tower of Babel was designed so you know who man is. You know the greatness of man. You know the greatness of his intellect. You know the greatness of his tenacity. You know the greatness of his ability to manage and his greatness of ability of greatness to build. (laughs) That's what the Tower of Babel was constructed to do. And so then it's human reasoning with human resources. Let us make brick and let us make uh, mortar and slime with mortar and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad. And human resolve, can you imagine the, the level of dedication it took to build this tower in this city? By the way, these are all things that humanism will exalt. 
Not the righteousness of God, not the faithfulness of God, not the grace of God, not the mercy of God, not the holiness of God, the ability of man. And I say this, again, this mentality has crept into our churches. To where many times we conduct even ministry. We as pastors must be on guard against such a mentality. We conduct ministry and conduct church. So we go, wow, look what those people are doing. It's humanism. It turns the attention toward man rather than God because it was never birthed from God. It was birthed from man. This was birthed in human reasoning. It was built with human resources. It was built through human resolve. So is there something wrong with being resolved? Not when we're resolved by faith. But the purpose behind this was to disobey God and rebel against Him and do their own thing. It was built for human regard and built, as we've said time and time again, in human rebellion. And I want us again, what I'm trying to do is compare what is being done in the Tower of Babel with what Noah did and compare again to what we see in our day right now. Compare the types of religion. It's been stated numerous times, but there are only two types of religion in the world. That kind that says, I receive from God, I trust Him, I trust His Word, I'm trusting Him for my pardon, I'm trusting Him for my righteousness, I'll approach God by faith in Him, submitted to His authority, and the other that says, no, let's prove to God who we are, rather than trusting who He is. And so then, that's where we find the Tower of Babel. We see the conception of it planned by human intellect, the people, all-inclusive, No exclusion. The presumption, we're going to do this and no one will stop us. The purpose, let us make us a name for ourselves. May I say this, before you'll ever humble yourself and receive what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you're going to have to die to a name for yourself. Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest any man should, not of works, lest any man should boast. May I say this, the number one, obstruction I find in trying to win people to saving faith in Jesus Christ is this issue right here. If I submit to God's way of salvation, I get absolutely no credit for it. That means I'm going to get into heaven and I'll not come in because God recognizes what a good person I am. I'll not enter into eternity with God because God realizes the good effort I've put forward God, I'm not going to come into eternity because of the amount of information I've gathered about Him. You're telling me if I get into heaven, it will be because of what God did for me, not because of who I am and what I've done for Him. That's absolutely the truth. The Tower of Babel was all about them making a name for themselves. When we make that our motive and we make that our goal, we'll miss heaven over it. And as saved people, we'll lose reward over that. God's glory is one that is to be our goal. And when things are built on God's word, it's always, the result is always God's glory. I know that Noah had quite, how many of us, honestly, we come through reading the story of Noah and you think, wow, what a guy, Noah. What an architect he was. No, he wasn't the architect. You know what you know Noah for? He believed God and did what God told him. He believed God, did what God told him. How many of you know that what Noah did in building the ark was a greater feat than what these people did in building Babel? But do you sit there and think, wow, Noah? Or do you think, wow, (laughs) Noah was wise to trust God. What a God. To give Noah the warning, to give Noah the salvation, to give Noah the means of escape, to be gracious to him in that fashion. You read about Noah after the ark, and you know he didn't go to heaven because he was always a good person. After the flood, we find Noah foolishly drunken. Whether he intentionally did that, it's very, very, very likely he didn't, 
intentionally do that, but he was drunken after the flood. He wasn't in heaven because he was sinlessly perfect, I'll tell you that. But he believed God. And God counted his faith in for righteousness like any other. And so the construction of this tower, human reasoning, human resources, human resolve, human regard, all done in human rebellion. May I say this? As we come through the Bible, as you look at spiritual issues, all so often, all so often, the struggle is not a matter of here. It's a struggle of here. It's about a matter of our will. And you know what? You know what birthed the Tower of Babel? Men saying, we don't want to do things God's way. How are we at a place in our society where we are pretending, where we are pretending, and I don't preach on these things a lot because it's not very applicable inside this room. I try to preach things that are helpful right here. But may this, may this help us understand the danger of humanistic thinking this morning, of Babel way of thinking. How are we at a place where two men can pretend that they're women and be taken seriously? How do we get there? Man saying, don't lose me, I know God said, but. Now, where does that apply here? We look at that and it appalls us to see two men living in the same house pretending to be married and a government sanctioning it and saying it's so. A man that's born a male saying, I'm a woman, and the government saying, you're a hater if you don't recognize that and call him by her name. How do we get here? I'll tell you how. Churches a hundred years ago said, we know our Bible says, but if we obey God, we'll lose attendance. If we submit to God's way, we'll lose some finances. Don't check out on me now. This is humanism. And it's right here in this room this morning. Pastor, we got here by a hundred years ago, churches saying, and 50 years ago, churches saying, we know the Bible says, but that is not the world we live in today. Our world has changed. And we know the will of God, and we know the mind of God, and we think we're smarter than God. And it's Babel thinking. And you know what it ends in? How many of you, when you see two fellas or two ladies together pretending they're married and everyone thinking it's wonderful, go, that is confusing. How many of us know that our world is so confused right now? So confused. When we start building lives on human reasoning with simple human resources, meaning it doesn't require the supernatural work of God. I mean, I say you can, you can build entire ministries without God. You can fill church buildings without God being within 100 miles of it. But can you? Of course. Marketing? We can do it. I can't. Praise God. I mean, we could. We build on humanism. Let's, what, what, what great things can man do? Tell me this this morning. Fastest growing religion in the world today. What is it? Islam. Anybody think God is within 100 miles of Islam? That shows you the power of human resolve. Human reasoning. My point is this this morning. What we find in concentrated dosage in Genesis chapter 11 finds its way into our hearts and minds if we don't walk closely with the Lord and let Him keep us from conforming to the world and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And what happens here is in the Tower of Babel, human reasoning, human resources, human resolve, human regard, in human rebellion. Let me ask something. Did they succeed? The answer is yes and no. 
did they build something great? They built a city and they built a tower. Now let's go back to our text and we'll conclude this morning. We've seen the conception of the tower, the construction of the tower. Now we're going to find the confounding of the tower. Verse 4, and they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Great power in the imagination of the human mind, the ability to accomplish what one imagines. Don't think so. Look at the Internet. And just the existence of it. Verse 7, Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they, be not, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. You find this repeated throughout the Bible. Man exalting himself to greatness to the point that he is convinced He can exist, he can thrive, even be righteous and good without God. That's where America's at. We we have forgotten that this nation cannot exist without God. And I know you haven't forgotten that, but as a nation we have. Our leadership has forgotten. We think we are, we have, God has allowed us to build a great nation. But he can end it just as soon as it began. That's true from a national level. We need to remember that God has his place. And a few things we see here, the perception of God. God saw what they were doing. If you're discouraged this morning as a Christian and look at the world and say, what is going on? Know this, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He sees what's going on on this earth. The exaltation of man does not mean the dethroning of God. Amen? Babel got built. The tower did go up, but it did not ultimately succeed. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 4, was warned. Nebuchadnezzar, God knew his heart. God gave Nebuchadnezzar power in order to chastise his own people. And he gave Nebuchadnezzar power for a time in order to chastise his people. Nebuchadnezzar was a rod in the hand of God to chasten the nation of Israel, to judge the land of Egypt and other nations that had rebelled against God. But Nebuchadnezzar began to think, I did this. Look at the kingdom I have built. And God, through Daniel, warned him, you better watch it or God's going to depose you. Twelve months later, a full year goes by, and Nebuchadnezzar finds himself eating grass like an oxen. God raises up. God lowers down. And this morning, as God's people, we need to be reminded of this truth as we see a secular humanistic society raising itself up in intellect and raising up great power and doing great things. And I believe it will all consummate there in the book of Revelation with the Antichrist at the head sitting, as Second Thessalonians 2 says, as God in the temple of God, saying that he is God. And God will not ultimately let it succeed. And we must understand this this morning from the standpoint of salvation. You must be able to see. Here's the, here's the wisdom of this. This is not a greatly stirring message, but I hope the information of it can help us look at false religion and identify that everything that claims to be Christianity and everything that claims to be religion is not of God. We need to be able to identify and say, that is not Bible Christianity. God's way is exclusive. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. So anything 
claiming to be Christianity that says throw down the boundaries. You don't have to be, you don't have to repent about your sin toward God. You don't have to admit you're a hell-bound sinner. You don't have to have exclusive faith in Jesus Christ. God is so loving. Jesus is so kind that all are included and all can come in. Friend, that is not of God. And that's part of why I believe this message is necessary this morning. Some are duped and deceived in today saying that God is open-armed and inclusive, open-armed and inclusive to everyone. No, God says that whosoever will may take the water of life freely, but He's not going to give you anything other than Jesus Christ for the water of life. To save you and pardon you for your sins against Him, we must have the disposition of Noah. Agree with God. Judgment is coming. God is right. The Babylonian construction did not have the same spirit as the construction of the ark. And today there's that being pawned off as Christianity that says if you love, you open your arms. If you love, you say there's an ark you get in, get into, but if you don't get in it, you're going to perish. Amen? Who was more loving? Noah that said if you don't get in the ark, you're going to die. Or the Babylonians that said you don't have to do anything, just show up and help us build. Who was more loving? Now God was gracious. He could have licked up this city with fire and he didn't. He just stopped their construction. That's all. This is early in the human history. And he could have just said, you know what? I'm done with you. But instead, God was very merciful. He just stopped the construction project and said, I'll have my way. You're going to be scattered. I told you scatter, scatter. (laughs) But you know what? You read the last book of the Bible and it's not going to end like that. Mankind has learned how to perfect the exaltation of Babel. To claim it's of God when it's of Satan. So that ultimately you'll find one day man sitting in the temple of God, as God, proclaiming that it is God, receiving worship that belongs only to God. And then the Lord Jesus comes in flaming fire, taking vengeance. And so, the confounding of the tower, God saw it. We see the perception of God, the power of God, and ultimately the purpose of God fulfilled. Now, if you would with me, as for the, the heart of this message, Luke chapter 18, as we close this morning. The message is a little different this morning, I understand. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. We see what we see in comparison to the ark and the Tower of Babel, what you see in comparison of Cain's offering versus Abel's offering, what you see in comparison of fig leaves or coats of skins, we find here in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. It's a parable our Lord gives, but it's the the same thing again. You have two men that are religious, two men that are approaching God. One is a humanist and the other is a believer. One believes in what he has done that makes him great, and there's no need for God to save him, just recognize his greatness. He's made a name for himself. Let me just put to you this like this before I read this text. I believe it is absolutely right to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because that's the command of God for believers. Absolutely the right thing. You know that's what the Bible teaches, what I'm going to preach. But if I come to church religiously, so that I can say at the end of my days, well, I think I'm pretty well ready for heaven. I've been going to church religiously. What does that say about what a good person I am? God's not within 100 miles of that. If I say, I want to be in church because the one who died for me died to create that place where I can go serve him and I want to show him how appreciative I am, that I love him, that I'll obey him. Now, that's different. And I'll obey him faithfully and consistently. And that's what we find here. Men who use religion to make a name for themselves so they can say, see God, I'm as good as you. Is that not what the Tower of Babel was? We're as good as God. Or others that say, obviously we're not and I deserve God's wrath, but God in your goodness would you forgive me. One is Noah, 
One's the Tower of Babel. One is Cain. One is Abel. One is Adam and Eve with fig leaves. The other is them receiving coats of skins. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. The Bible says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, nor even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. God's never going to change the truth to defend our name. Amen? When we exalt ourselves, we are saying, I have attained the glory of God. But the truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what humbling yourself is? Listen now. Humbling yourself is simply acknowledging the truth. How many of us this morning honestly think that we can start giving God our credits and show Him that we're as good as He is? Then honesty says, then I've got to take the low seat and say, I deserve His judgment. But I'm willing to go through the door of the ark at his invitation. Or we can say, no, I'm building a life that anybody would be proud of. I mean, look at the life I live. Look at how I've handled my finances. Look how I've treated my neighbors. Look how I've raised my kids. Look how smart they are. Look how well-dressed I am. Look how kind I am. Look, 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 Look at the bricks I have built and how I've constructed a life that shows how good I am. Am I in the ark at God's command? Or am I building a tower to say, I don't need God. I'm good without him. This is why this message is included in this series this morning. It's Cain's works. It's Adam and Eve's leaves. It's a tower instead of an ark. One is built on human reasoning. The other is built on the word of God. If you're here this morning and you've never acknowledged, God, you're right. I am a sinner short of your glory. You've never lied. I have. You've never stolen anything from a man that wasn't rightfully yours. I have. You've never done any sin. You've been all points tempted like as me, yet without sin. I deserve you to never let me into heaven. But I believe Jesus Christ came so that I can. And I'm willing to come to you your way through your door into your ark by faith, trusting you, not praising me. Or maybe I say, no, I really believe I'm a good person. We'll end up like this publican. Do you notice what kind of man he was? Here's a man that fasted. He's in the temple praying. He says, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not an extortioner. But boy, was he proud. The Bible says a proud look is an abomination to the Lord. Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before fall. I say this, and I believe so many here could say, ah, sad but true. More people are dropping into hell over the sin of pride in this country than any other. It's not because we've not heard the gospel. It's not because we don't know we need a Savior. But it's because we're still trying to show God, I'm good without you, God. Jesus didn't have to come for me. Look at the life I've built. Look at the life I've led. That's Babylonian religion. This morning, if you're here and you've never come to God God's way, the only way he'll have you come, you must come acknowledging outside of Jesus Christ you'll perish. The Bible says in John 3, 36, 
that the wrath of God abides on them that believe not on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this morning, Christian, believer, I know only too well from my own experience how easy it is to let Babylonian humanistic thinking into my Christian living. Oh, I've been pardoned for my sins, but I still maybe want to build a name for myself. Jesus said to the Christian, if I'm to be a disciple, I must take up my cross daily. You know what happens when I take up my cross? I die to what men think of me, and I live for what they think about him. That's what happens. Now, if Christ is your Savior, that ought to thrill your soul. So I can live my everyday life representing him well. I don't know how God is applying the message today, but I wonder, am I building a life on my own reasoning or on the word of God? Am I basing my salvation on my own reasoning or on the word of God? However God's applying this to you, whether an unbeliever needing to come to faith in Christ or a believer already but maybe influenced by the thinking of a lost world, let's let the Lord have his way. Amen? Decisions have to be made. If in the context of this message, the Spirit of God has said, that right there is the aspect of your life. You're still living based on what you think, not on what I say. Then what decision should we make now? Well, that sure bothered me. No. We should say, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. I'll change that today for your honor and glory. If you're here this morning, you say, I've never come to God his way. I've never turned to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, I'm coming to you, expecting you to save me, not you to recognize that I'm a good person, acknowledging I'm not, acknowledging you're the only way. Don't leave here thinking about it. Act on it. Let Christ save you today.